Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. How many of you believe that there is supernatural power in our thanksgiving? A couple of you. I'll say it one more time. A chance of redemption. How many of you, get ready to shout, believe there is supernatural power in our thanksgiving? There is. Now, there are seasons in life where things are difficult. We all walk through valleys and then that gives way to new mountaintops. David said in the Psalms, Yea, though I walk through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. So there are times in life when it's hard. There's difficulties. But the key is we don't make our tent there. We don't build a house there. We don't remain there. We continue the journey. And Thanksgiving is one of those dynamics that helps to bring us through, and there's a reason for it. Thanksgiving is a dynamic that releases miracle healing power, divine wisdom, provisions, intervention, deliverance. Thanksgiving is a dynamic in worship that many believers have overlooked. They just sort of capsulize everything into worship. Thanksgiving is part of that, but they seem to focus more on praise. Praise the Lord. And we should. Praise is a good thing. David said in the Psalms, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Everybody say praise. But thanksgiving, if we don't understand, which is why I did this two-week series beginning last week, concluding today. If we don't understand the importance of thanksgiving, we will live paralyzed, we will live defeated, and in a bad spiritual and emotional state of mind. So that's why we need to understand the dynamic of thanksgiving. Look at our pilgrims who came over. I touched on this last week. They came from Europe to the New World looking for religious freedom, looking for a new life, Lower taxes. How many of you want to look for another place to live with lower taxes? So it was a hard, you know, cruise across the, across the Atlantic. Then finally, after arriving here in the Americas, that first winter, it was brutal. I mean, the winter, the elements, they weren't prepared for that. They had no idea. The disease, the starvation, all of that combined with the extreme elements. Took the lives of many family members and friends, which I'm sure made many of them rethink, was this voyage really worth it? Look at the cost we've paid in coming to this new place. But look at what they did once adversity subsided. They chose to be grateful. Focusing on what they had gained rather than on their loss. And that's really the starting point of Thanksgiving. The reason many or some refuse to give thanks is they feel because of the negatives, they have nothing to be thankful for causing them to become trapped in their grief. All they can see is everything they've lost. Rather than when we take a moment to reflect, settle, and really allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to show us. We'll see Him in ways we never knew He was there. But when we're trapped in our past, when thanksgiving, gratitude is void, in our lives, in our walk with God, we get stuck. Any of you ever feel like you're spiritually stuck? You hear testimonies from others around you. Why isn't that happening in my life? Well, I believe God wants to bring assistance today. 
And he's going to show us the path so we can continue in our journey of growing closer and more in love with him. Amen. The term thanksgiving, I found this interesting. As well as give thanks, thankful, the word thanks, thankfulness, and similar phrases. Do you know they're used more than 394 times in the Bible? That's a pretty important word, don't you think? There's only 66 books in the Bible. Divide 394 by 66, that means in you could equate if you just spread it across every book. It appears, and we know there's others that use it more frequently, but it would say at least that many times in every book of the Bible. Yet Thanksgiving has become more just like a holiday or a polite response. Someone holds the door, you're coming out of, the, uh, of, a, of a mall or someplace, and they hold the door for you, you say, well, thank you. You're welcome. But Thanksgiving... As I brought out last week, there is supernatural, miracle-working ability attached to this observance, this discipline, this act of worship. Last week I mentioned Thanksgiving proclaims what God has done. His history, right? Praise proclaims who He is. God, you're great. You're the healer. And on and on. But thanksgiving calls to remembrance everything that he has done. We recollect and we verbalize it. We speak it. The scripture talks about thanksgiving becoming the fruit of our lips. In a world of ingratitude, it's nice to give thanks. There's so many expectations. Everybody, well, this should be done for me. That should be done for me. Expecting, expecting looking to the government to provide for all of our needs. Well, I don't think Paul said that in Philippians 4.19. He didn't say my president. He didn't say my country. He said my God. Everybody say my God. He said my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Our God is richer than any country. He's richer than any one individual and he said, not I might, not I'll pray about it. Isn't that something we use sometimes when we really don't want to do something? Well, let me pray about it, and then we forget about it. But my God said, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will supply all of your needs. Thanksgiving is the key that unlocks that kind of provision. Body, soul, spirit. Every aspect of our lives, the things out of our hands, the things beyond our control, my God will supply all of your needs. Look at the person next to you and say, that promise is for you. Tell them, and you say it back to whoever tells you, that promise. And those of you watching online, that promise is for you. Proclaiming what God has done. Calling to remembrance what? His faithfulness. How many believe God's faithful? Do you know every time you say, God, you are faithful, you're giving and releasing thanksgiving. And then something supernatural, it's like pressing a button. You know, there you have two buttons, unsupernatural, or let's call it natural. That's grammatically more correct. Natural and supernatural. What button are you going to push when you wake up in the morning? Supernatural, Right? You want God's divine intervention. There are things that God has called us to do. Say, all right, I'll, I'll do the natural, Lord. But I'm really happy about that button that says supernatural. When we give thanks, we press the supernatural button. Some of you might be thinking online or maybe here, you're pushing this a little too far. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You saw last week how before some of the greatest miracles that ever happened, Jesus gave thanks in advance. In advance. There is supernatural miracle working power and ability directly connected to your thanksgiving. Calling to remembrance is faithfulness. And when we give thanks, you know what it does? It prepares the way for God to intervene. 
We all have needs. Anybody have a need out there? You don't have to say what it is, but we all have needs. But when we give thanks, it prepares the way for God to become our need meter. King David, he understood the importance of gratitude and thanksgiving. Remember when he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem? Tried two times. First time he was unsuccessful. Second time he was successful. First time he didn't inquire the Lord as to how to bring God's presence back to Jerusalem. Scripture said it was to be carried by the Levites, the priest. But he just got the gang of brothers, put it on a cart, pulled by an oxen, and then on the journey from where the ark had been stored, because King Saul did not like the presence of God. He desired to be as far away from the presence of God as he could. The presence of God brought him under conviction. The presence of God made him uncomfortable. That's why people will look for a dead church to attend. Because if the word of God is being preached and the presence of God is in the worship, people feel convicted if they're not right with God. And praise God when we feel convicted. How many of you are glad when you feel convicted? That means God loves us and he's caring for us. And he's helping us to become better men and women for his purposes. But Saul removed the Ark of the Covenant as far away as he could. Then David said, you know, I want the presence of God back here. It was the first item on his agenda. His heart was right, but the way he went about it was wrong. And while that ark was being transported back here, or back here, the presence of God is here, amen, back to where, here, where he was, hit a bump, started to fall, it was about to slide off, and there was a man who reached up just to steady it. And he was instantly struck dead. When that happened, when that happened, all of those gathered there, they were fearful. David heard it, he became fearful and angry. See, that's what happens sometimes if, if, if you're trying to do something for the Lord, but maybe you're not going about it the right way. And then doesn't produce the results you were looking for. I mean, no one starts out thinking that they're going to do something good, and then you have somebody dies in the process of doing it. God, why did you let this happen? When I started this church 17 plus years ago, four months after we began, our daughter Laura lost her life in that accident. And the enemy hit me with the same thing. Lord, here I am serving you. Why would you allow this to happen? I didn't bite into that, 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 that forbidden fruit. But it did hit me. And God brought us through. And so David, he was hit with the same thing. Maybe some of you have had, you, you've tried to really, I start to serve the Lord and it's like all hell breaks out against me. Well, what did you expect? But all heaven stands behind you. Amen? And so David then became so fearful and then angry. Anger usually follows fear. That he takes and he says, I want that ark as far away. He was doing exactly what Saul did. And he sent it to the home of one of the priests, Obed-Edom. Now, something wonderful happened for Obed-Edom because he was a priest and he knew how to attend and to host the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And so he began to do a scripture and, and, the, and the law teaches regarding the Ark and the presence of God. And in the process of doing that, everything under his covering became blessed. If we would modernize it, we would say he had the greenest grass in the entire neighborhood. If he was a farmer, he had the best crops growing. Corn that was beyond your wildest imaginations. The stalks on top of the, of the grain. Everything prospered. Everything. His flocks were healthy and began to multiply well beyond what you would think. Then one day, somebody gets back to uh, David and says, King, mighty king, I just want to give you an update on the Ark of the Covenant and Obed-Edom who is tending to the Ark of the Covenant. He is a rich man now. He's wealthy. His crops, his grass, his flocks, everything he sets his hands to do is prospering. So maybe my king should reconsider the presence of God back in the city of God, Jerusalem. 
So David then went to the Levites. Good, good decision. He inquired of the Lord. And then he found how God's presence was to be cared for. Then he gathered the priest, and not on a cart, but the Levites carried the Ark of the Covenant. You carry the presence. You don't become lazy with his presence. You don't push his presence off on someone else. We, like those priests, are called to also carry the presence of God within us. And when they brought that ark back into Jerusalem, David danced before the Lord. It says in Scripture he became undignified. His wife, Michael, says, why would you do this? This is unbecoming for a king to dance before the people naked, unclothed. For the record, he was not naked. All that he did was take off his royal garment, which made him like every other man because David was saying, there is only one king, even before me. His heart, the heart after God's own heart. And he danced before the Lord. Oh, I talk about that, I read that, and my heart just, just gets so over, overwhelmed. The presence of God. And it was during that celebration, there had never been a parade like this, up to that point in time in history with Israel. And David gave everything, pulled out all the stops. And in the process, he wrote this song of thanksgiving found in 1 Chronicles 16.8. I'm just going to read one verse, but I would encourage you later today, read the 16th chapter of 1 Chronicles. David says this, and it's, it's, it's a command to all of us, all the people of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples, plural. This verse reveals three dynamics, three principles about thanksgiving that we can all learn from, grow from, so that we can put this into practice. Beginning with, David says, the gift. Give thanks, that's our gift. Just as we desire to be loved and appreciated. How many of you enjoy and appreciate when someone says they love you, they, they thank you for being a part of their life, and, or they thank you for something you did for them. We all appreciate thanksgiving. Well, just as we desire to be loved and appreciated, our Creator, do you know He has the same desire? Out of all the creation, only human beings are created in His image. Body, soul, and spirit. That means we give to God what no other part of creation can give to Him. The animals, I'm a dog lover, I confess. Our dog Gus sleeps on the bed with us. Now, if anyone ever wants to spend the night when we're away, you'll never want to sleep on our bed. The dog slept here, right? But we love Gus, right in the middle. But as much as he's a good boy and we love him, he loves us, he cannot give to God what we give. Much to some people's disappointment, the Bible does not teach, as Disney proclaimed in one of their movies, all dogs go to heaven. Animals, just like the fowl that fill the air, the fish that swim in the fresh and the salt waters, all that roams the earth, even the insects, the creeping things, they are body and soul. They have no spirit. In fact, it says in the scriptures that the soul of an animal goes into the earth. That's it. Now, I would be overwhelmed if God surprises me when I get there. And there are all of our dogs and even our cat that we had who was more like a dog cat. Any of you ever have a dog cat? They're a cat, but they have the affection and the personality of a dog. They warm up to you. They, they're like a human being. I would be just pleasantly surprised and blessed to see that. But right now, I don't know, but I do know, Scripture says, that only man is able to praise the Lord. Only human beings, male and female, are able to give thanks to the Lord. Only human beings are called the image of God, capable of housing the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. That's why man was created in God's image. 
So it's only fitting that the God we are designed after receive from us what He gives to us. Just as we, if you want to clap, go ahead, amen. So the God who made us enjoys that same relationship, that same intimacy from us that we enjoy from one another. That's why it's good to give thanks. That's the purpose of gratitude. That's the purpose of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is our gift. David says it in 1 Chronicles 16, 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. This gift of gratitude sets in motion something significant when we release it with the fruit of our lips. It causes us to focus on what God has done. Because remember, that's what Thanksgiving is. It's the history of God, what He's done. And by focusing on what God has done, it reveals who He is. Why is that important? But there's, because there are so many people that really have lost confidence in God because they're not focusing on His works, His mighty deeds, His faithfulness, His goodness. If you're not reading Scripture and being reminded of who God is, if you're not celebrating at a church and with other believers and recognizing who God is, then we begin to lose sight of it. Every day there are narratives that flood the airwaves. They're wherever we go, on the work, at the workplace, uh, on the job, and, and other areas in our schools. Everything is a secular narrative talking point. And if we are not creating contrary talking points which promote and proclaim who God is, then no matter how much we look at it from time to time, we will lose sight. We will lose sight of who the Lord is and then find ourselves discouraged, overwhelmed, losing hope, all of the negatives. Thanksgiving is proven by psychologists to lessen the strain of stress and fear in the lives of those that begin to focus on what they have rather than what they don't have. It's a game changer in every aspect of our lives. So when you focus on what God has done and you then begin to see He reveals who He is, this, will turn and tra- this in turn will transform the individual who was living by the power of thanksgiving. It'll transform their perspective. How? When you're grateful, when you give thanks, and you're continually keeping that in practice, it's a lifestyle. It'll realign your heart and mind with God's. Then we're thinking like God thinks because we're recognizing who He is. Even in the negative, we see Him in everything. It not only realigns our hearts and our minds, but it builds our faith and confidence in God. I liken it unto someone that is learning maybe as a musician, an instrument, or they're involved in a sports, uh, a sports activity, and whether it's gymnastics, baseball, football, various sports that are out there. Maybe it might even be learning how to build your skills as an actor. But how do you build confidence with that instrument, with that sport, or with the participation in, in the entertainment industry? By practicing over and over again. And because it's constantly before you, you perfect that skill, that gift, that talent. Well, the same thing is true of thanksgiving. Not just from a natural perspective, because remember, there's two buttons, natural and supernatural. But from a supernatural perspective, when we are giving thanks, spiritually, there's a blessing from heaven, a divine supernatural blessing, just like the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Lazarus from the dead, there is a blessing released from heaven that comes and rests upon us because we are renewing our minds with who God is, what He has done, and what He can still do. Then that builds our confidence. We, we begin to believe that God somehow is going to 
bring my breakthrough. He's going to somehow bring my provision. He's going to lead me through this dark time. It's hard to know what to do, but he knows, and he has promised he'll never leave me, forsake me. You see, as you're releasing thanksgiving, it's reminding you of who God is, and then that's building your confidence as well as your mental health at the same time to know that God, even though I'm not there yet, he has promised he's going to bring me through. How many of you are ready for the Lord to bring you through whatever you're walking? Give him praise. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 19, verses 39 through 40. And I'm going to precede this scripture by making a statement. Do you know what Thanksgiving does? We've talked about a lot so far. But in the area of proclamation, yes, Thanksgiving proclaims who God is. But in the process of proclaiming who God is, do you know what Thanksgiving also does? It proclaims the devil is not. See, what happens when you're not proclaiming who God is? Then you believe every lie the devil feeds into your thought processes. You believe all of that negativity, all of that fear, and then you become what I call devil conscious. The devil, the devil, the devil. There are some churches that speak so much about the devil, that's becoming a regular worship surface for the devil. Kenneth Hagin, great man of God, he was one of my fathers of the faith that I cut my, my uh, teeth on in, in my studies. He went to a church, and then while the service was progressing, they were in the midst of the worship, he felt such an overwhelming spirit of heaviness. Then someone pointed to the pastor, one of the worship leaders. Pastor came up, and this pastor began to bind and rebuke every demon you could think of from Scripture. Finally, when he stopped, Brother Hagin said he felt a lifting, but then the Lord gave him a word of knowledge. He said, tell this pastor to stop glorifying the devil. You tell him the enemy will be bound through the word of God and the praise of God's people. But right now, because these demons know their names will be mentioned in this place, they come from far and wide to hear their names mentioned. So Brother Hagin spoke later with the pastor about that. But when he got up, he said, it's time to stop magnifying the devil and let's magnify the Lord. And people began to give praise, began to bring thanksgiving. Then he didn't even get an opportunity to preach. The power and the presence of God broke out. Healings began to manifest even before he got to people to pray for them. The power of thanksgiving. Oh, there's an enemy. There's a devil. I get that. I deal with him every day, just like all of you and all of you watching online. But I refuse to augment him. I refuse to showcase him. As for me and my house, we're going to magnify the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Tuck that in your heart. Now, let's look at Luke 19, 39 through 40. Now, Jesus was just about to pray for a man who was, who was blind. And then after the miracle was released, we have this scripture. And some of the Pharisees called to him, called to Jesus from the crowd. No, this is when Jesus was entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And he heard the people praising him. And then the Pharisees posed this question. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if, the, if any of these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now I want to say this right now. I do not want to trade my place of thanksgiving, praise, and worship with a rock. Do you hear me? I never want to become so obstinate, so stiff-necked, so narrow-minded that when it comes to God, my way is the highway. And this shows us when Jesus responded and replied to the religious leaders. We're going to touch on the blind man in a moment. 
But you're going to see how important thanksgiving and praise was to the plan of God. Here he was entering Jerusalem for the last time during his earthly life. Then he would be crucified and resurrected. But here he was, and this was the moment that all of the earth would recognize that he indeed was the promised Messiah of Almighty God. That's why even if the, if the people won't praise, then so be it. Then these rocks are going to cry out. Thank God that people praised that day. Amen? And may we be people of thanksgiving and praise as well. Hallelujah. So if we choose then to silence our voice, which is what the religious wanted, they didn't want the people to praise Jesus. They didn't want the people to lift up God. They wanted to silence their praise. And whenever we are hit with silencing our praise, who do you think the motivating force behind that is? The devil. He doesn't want us to magnify the Lord. He wants us to magnify him. And when we refuse to give thanks, that's what happens. We lose sight of the Lord. And then we see how awful life is. Then, oh my, woe is me. I, 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 I liken it this way. Many of you, are you familiar with Winnie the Pooh and all of the characters? How many are familiar with Eeyore? You know, the donkey that's always negative. I say if we eliminate thanksgiving and praise, we're Christians, but we're Christian Eeyore, not Dior, but Christian Eeyore. We love the Lord, but we're so filled with the negative, we can't see God through all of that negativity. God wants us to focus on who He is, and thanksgiving enables us to do that. When there is thanksgiving flowing through the worshipers, it takes and brings to surface the power that flows from God's throne to us. But the antithesis is true as well. If we silence our voices, then we eliminate that power that flows from his throne. How many right now are saying, Lord, make me a man or a woman of thanksgiving? That's my cry. You see, when we begin to give thanks, God shows up. But if we choose not to, the devil shows people what isn't in order to blind them from what is. Remember when Jesus said to the prophet Hosea, my people are destroyed, they perish, because they lack knowledge? You know, you can know, but not know. You can have it up here, but it hasn't made that 18-inch journey down to here yet. That's when you know, but you don't know. Because you're not practicing what's been given, what's been commanded. And until it winds up here, we'll be blinded. And we won't see what is, because all that we're focused on is what isn't. This isn't happening. They're not healed. I don't have the money. This isn't taking place. On and on and on. That's not the walk of faith. And that's why we have got to become people of thanksgiving. Sometimes the Lord will bless us with people who will minister to us, pray for us, and a miracle will happen. But God will purposely allow times when he's saying, okay, now it's up to you. You determine your breakthrough. You determine your provision. You determine your miracle. How? By whether or not you will become a man or a woman of thanksgiving and praise. Others have been there for you. Now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to be not a boy of God, but a man of God. Not a girl of God, not a child of God, but a, but a woman of God, a man of God. We grow up in our spiritual faith, in our spiritual confidence. It's time for us to take the reins and trust God to direct us. Amen? Amen. Some people, they don't want to hear that because we're used to living in a society that does everything for us. The government wants to get people dependent on them. You know, but thank God for provisions and options. I mean that. But not at the expense of paralyzing our faith in God. 
and our trust in God. Amen? Thanksgiving is how we counterattack the devil's strategy of what isn't. And when we counterattack by proclaiming who God is, that's what opens the door for us to call. Remember the old song, I think it was James Taylor, you just call on my name and you know wherever I am, I'll be there. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you have to do is call. And I'll be there, the musician to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend. You've got a friend. Same thing with the Lord. Thanksgiving prepares us to call upon Him. Elevating our faith level. Those that come to God, the writer of Hebrews says, must believe He is. Do you really believe this morning He is? Those of you watching online, do you really believe He is? See, when we're constantly reminding ourselves, and I'm not talking about putting on a show, but living with a heart of gratitude, knowing that that stimulates the provision, the wisdom, the miracle power. Every aspect of who God is is stimulated and released when we live with that kind of an attitude, just like an attitude of prayer, constantly in conversation with God. When we do that, it then prepares us when it's time to call upon the Lord for what? Help. The shortest prayer I ever prayed, Cindy and I together, we were praying together and all of a sudden, she just whispered, help. And I said, yes, Lord, help. You don't have to be worthy. You don't have to be King James. Lord, you see your servants standing heareth before youeth, and we crieth out for helpeth. <laughs> Religious prayers. Thanksgiving, praise, and even our cries for help are just from the heart. From the heart. And when we have prepared the way in advance with that thanksgiving, with that praise, then that cry for help is loaded, jam-packed with anointing. David says this in Psalm 22, verse 3. He says, but you are holy, O you who dwells in the praises of Israel. You see, when we're giving thanks, when we're giving praise, God responds to that. That's when heaven comes down in response to our prayers, in response to our thanksgiving, in response to our praise. He dwells in the praises of Israel. That's what we just read. David said that. And that's why we're commanded to call, because you see, if we're preparing in advance through thanksgiving, gratitude, and through praise, and we're taking steps to learn from him, then that's when David says, call upon his name. Do you know that that word call is very significant because there's a lot more involved with it than just those four letters. The word call is also defined as to cry out, proclaim, invite, or I like this, to utter with a loud voice. How many times do you remember reading in Scripture when Jesus was travailing, crying out with a loud voice, Groans and utterings, the Bible says. You see, when we are prepared in advance through thanksgiving and praise, when those moments that are difficult, Jesus said they'll come, you can deny it all you want, but it came from the mouth of Jesus. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But I'm always glad when there's a but in the Bible. I mean, B-U-T. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? Amen? When we praise Him, thank Him, we prepare ourselves so that when that day comes, we're ready. We're filled with anointing. We're a people of praise. We're a people of thanksgiving. How did the walls of Jericho come down? Praise and thanksgiving. What was impossible for man was possible for God. But, there's that three-letter word again, through joining and partnering together with the praise and the thanksgiving of His people. How many are ready to partner with God? 
Come on now. How many are really ready? Have you ever looked at Thanksgiving like this in the past? This is a game changer for anyone that will understand this principle. It will save your families. It will save your children. It will bring provision, healing to your body. Supernaturally or even through a natural means that God has directed. But God will come through. That's just who he is. So that means our Thanksgiving needs to be a lifestyle, which requires no more excuses. People, I don't know if I want to do that, Pastor. You know, the excuses, you know, I'm not really comfortable giving thanks. It's just not who I am. Okay, lame. I don't enjoy giving thanks. We enjoy going to work. We enjoy getting the leaves up around the yard. But you do it. Well, giving thanks to God has benefits. Amen? I don't really have time to give thanks. Have you seen my work schedule? I have children. They're all in sports. They're all in ballet. They're, they're in all types of out, outside activities. I don't have time. Well, that's unacceptable. And all that that is doing is preparing you for when the day of trouble comes. You won't be ready. It's a time to prepare. It's a time to be diligent. It's a time to prioritize. There are many things we do that aren't wrong, but we can't allow that to squeeze God out. Listen to me. Thanksgiving is not about you. It brings benefits, but it's not about you. It's about God. Does he deserve our thanksgiving? Does he deserve our praise? If you love him, if you love him, and I believe all of you do, you wouldn't be here. But if you love him, then you'll do it. It's not an option. Thanksgiving has never been an option. And when we come to that place, God then uses thanksgiving so others. This is when we see the benefit of thanksgiving flowing to people. Then when we practice and put this discipline in place, God uses our thanksgiving to others. David says it right in our text. Can know. To know. K-N-O-W. See, God wants us to brag on him. Let him who boast, boast in the Lord. You know, when we talk about the, what the Lord has done, people eat that up. Honestly, we live in a world they have no confidence in politics. I have no confidence in politics. I have no confidence in politicians. My hope and my confidence is in the Lord. And I'm trusting he will grab hold if people let him. If people let him. God is restrained by the human will. That's why people go to hell. Not because God sends them there, but because they refuse Christ and they send themselves there. To reject the Lord is to accept hell. To accept the Lord is to accept heaven. God doesn't send anyone to hell or heaven. We choose. We choose. How many of you chose to, to love Jesus with all your heart? Well, where are you going? When you finish your days, where are you going? Heaven. Come on, shout it out. I'm going to heaven. So God never sends anyone to hell. People choose, just as we choose to give thanks. And as we give thanks, as we brag on the Lord, we share our story. We become God's voice. Look, David says this in our text, 1 Chronicles 16, 8. Make known his deeds. To who? Yourself? All right, self, I'm talking to you. Well, it begins with us, but it doesn't stop there. David says, make known his deeds among the peoples, plural. We need to brag on the Lord. We need to talk about the Lord with wisdom. We don't want people to feel like we're a bull in a china closet. But when God opens the door, and you'll know it, you'll know it. Tell your story. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Brag on him. People want to know that there's still a living God. They want to know his name. It's Jesus. He hasn't changed. People has changed. The church has changed. But I believe God's calling her back. I believe we will see a revival. I think we're going to see an escalation of tribulation and hardship, but we're going to see a revival because eventually people have got to come to the place where they realize 
I can't do it, and people can't do it. Only God can do it. And as for me and my house, now I'm joining the family of heaven. I'm going to pursue righteousness. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to worship and serve him the remainder of my days until I step into his presence. Hallelujah. I walk down those streets of gold. So right now, God's calling us to know, to change, and to accept the challenge. Tell our stories. You see, you'll find people may challenge the Bible, but they can't challenge your personal testimony. Because it's your story. It's what God did for you. That's why, as I mentioned earlier, I got a little ahead of myself about the blind man that Jesus healed. Here, this guy was born blind from, from a young age, from birth even, possibly. And then he hears that Jesus is passing by and Jesus heals him. Then when the religious leaders found out about it, they were outraged. Why? Because when's the last time you heard of any of the religious leaders healing the sick, delivering the demon-possessed, and raising the dead? They had no power. All they had was their pomp and circumstance. They're just full of themselves. Glory be to me. Right? We say glory be to Jesus. Glory be to me. Glory be to I. That was their whole mindset. And so every time Jesus did a miracle, Every time he spoke with wisdom and authority, he damaged their ego, their self-pride, their self-exalted thrones. And they hated him for that. And that's finally when they went to the man who was healed. He said, who did this? You, 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 weren't, you weren't born this week. This is a hoax. Jesus is just more, no more than a magician, a sorcerer, magic tricks. You weren't born this way. You weren't blind. This wasn't your condition. This is all a fake. And this man, he just looked at them, no theological degree, no biblical trainings. He said, hey, listen, all that I know is once I was blind, and now I can see. And he shut those religious people down. Not with Scripture, not by quoting the Torah and the Pentateuch, but with his testimony. Let him who boast, boast in the Lord. If you're not telling your story, if you're not giving thanks, when God opens a door, then you're holding back what God wants to do for you and for others. He wants them to know. And Jesus isn't sending angels down. We are his mouthpiece. Angels are here. But the responsibility of advancing the kingdom of heaven is ours. It's ours. Look at John the Baptist. He was in fear. He's in prison, ready to be put to death. And he got hit with doubt. He, he needed to hear one more time. And Jesus didn't encourage him with Scripture. Didn't encourage him by holding a prayer meeting. But when John asked this question, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Jesus sent two of his disciples and said, tell John this. It's found in Matthew eleven five: The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. All that he did was tell his story just like you. How do you know this, Jesus, you're serving Israel? Well, I used to have a real bad problem with alcohol. This is just maybe your testimony someone's. And after I gave my life to him, he broke that. I've been sober now, whatever, many years. Only God could do that. Well, I used to wrestle with this, wrestle with that. And I found Jesus, he changed me. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. They can't argue with your story. When God healed you, hey, all as I know, the doctor said there was no hope. Here I am. Here I am. Tell your story. Let people know. Your testimony reveals God. It glorifies God and provides hope for those who have lost all hope. So don't remain silent. Tell your story. Give your thanksgiving. A grateful heart. Do you know what it is? It's a magnet for miracles. 
I believe that with all my heart. It's a magnet. When we are grateful, we attract the miracle-working ability of God. Why? Because gratitude attracts the presence of God. And the presence of God attracts people because people are looking for answers. You want to fill up a church? Let the people in the church become the magnet, become the voice, become the praise, become the thanksgiving so that others may know by observing our lives, I include myself, and then people will come because that is the cry of everyone's heart, to know God and the power of His resurrection, to know forgiveness, to feel acceptance, to be set free. People are crying for a Savior, but because the church in general has fallen asleep and we've become entertainment centers, people aren't filling the places with the needs. People are just going, who already know the Lord, and then they enjoy a nice service. It's time to attract the lost. How many believe that? Say amen. David understood this. That's why he said in Psalm 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord, come on, say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Shout it out, everyone. No, no one left on silent. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Praise the Lord. The devil wants to silence your voice. He's afraid of your thanksgiving. He knows what he can do. He knows your voice has the ability to set a miracle in motion. That's why right now, this is our call. This is what God is asking. Choose to be grateful. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.